Hey y'all, welcome to the Marty Smith Podcast here at Outsider Studios. It's the first episode ever in this studio, and man, is it a good one. I had the great opportunity to welcome my great friend Cole Swindell here to have a lengthy conversation about a very unique path to country music stardom. How does a guy go from meeting a country music star at his frat house to selling t-shirts for that superstar, Luke Bryan, to writing number one songs, not only for other artists in this town, but for himself. And what's it like to stick to your guns when one of those superstars, Jason Aldean, desperately begs you for a song that you wrote, but you know you're the one that should cut it? Very unique path. And not only that, as many of you know, Cole lost his father unexpectedly and tragically, and that's one way he and I bonded. We both lost our dads way too soon. It's a very relatable conversation that you will get much out of. Here's Cole Swindell from Outsider Studios on the Marty Smith Podcast. We have been so fortunate to chat with so many amazing country music stars over the first nine episodes of our podcast here at Outsider. But this is the very first Marty Smith podcast at Outsider Studios, and you, sir, are my first guest, Cole Swindell. I, I didn't even know that, man. How That's about amazing. That? I love it. Looks. I Isn't would it not cool? Know that. I, I know. I can't believe that it's the first one, man. It's great in here, brother. Saw it for the first time all of eight minutes ago. So <laughs> uh, we're so so blessed to, yeah, to have this space to to chat with people and. This is gonna be spend awesome. some time, and I appreciate you coming out. Absolutely, how, brother. With how busy you are, but. We're going to start with, um, I, I always want to give space in these conversations with people to have fun and discuss your path and all that. But one thing that has been so important to me with this platform is being a place where people can come and be inspired and come and find kindness and come and find relatable content that makes them look inside themselves in ways maybe they aren't willing to do themselves. And you've written a couple songs that you and I have, because the reason we're friends, really. Yeah, yeah. One of the main reasons we're friends, and we're going to just jump right into yeah, that. absolutely. Right into that pond. We both lost our dads way too early. And we're both still grappling with what that is. Yeah. It's been uh, 2008 was mine, and when did dad die? 2013. 13, right. That's what I thought. Okay. So how, how have you been able to use your work as a vehicle to, in some way, learn your hurt, purge your hurt, and share it with the world so that they might have something to hold on to? Yeah, you know, I think you always say, you know, I moved to Nashville to write songs, and I always said country music's always been there for me. You know, before I ever got to this town, and, uh, you know, the fact that I've now written at least one, I know that has touched people and helped them through a tough time. At the time we were writing it, of course, I had my dad in mind, but I knew already that I, mean, I can't be the only one out there, you know. And then also we wanted to make it relatable to where, you know, anybody could could relate to it that, that has been through that. And I know me and you, that is it's crazy. Me and you, uh, Dale Jr., there's been so many people that have reached out and I've gotten contact with because of that song. and. I always say my dad, uh, for those that didn't get to meet him, if, if he would have known that he could check out a little early and it would inspire a song that would help you know, way more people than he would ever get to meet, 
he would have done that. You know, that was the kind of guy he was. And for me to know that, you know, I'm on the other side of that now. Songs have always been there for me. And, and that now that I've got to share my story, you know, uh, through my music is, is just, you know, it's a blessing because I, it was scary to put that out there in the world. But the response, I mean, I don't think people know by sharing their stories like yours, what that means to me and lets me know that I'm not alone in this. I mean, this is, I'm part of a club I wish I wasn't a part of, but it is one. And I think we go through things, honestly, uh, because somebody else we know is gonna go through them and you're gonna need to be there for them. It's amazing what vulnerability does. And it's terrifying, you're so yeah. right. And, and it's funny, one of your peers here in town's a friend of mine as well. And I remember being with him the night before he was putting out a new record. And he was pacing all over the bus. And I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? And he goes, man, that record's coming out tomorrow. I'm worried about it. And I said, you know the work's great. Why are you worried about this? Why are you anxious? And he said just that. It's so vulnerable. And when you offer that energy to the world, you have to be okay with whatever energy comes back to you, no matter what it is, yeah. because it's real. Absolutely. And that is terrifying. Yeah, that is. And that, to me, just the, I always say, I mean, since that song was released and it hit radio, there hasn't been one show I've played that somebody, at least one, at least, didn't share their story. And like I said, that's what, you know, I, it's, as scary as it was at the time, I mean, I know that song has helped me just as much as it helped anyone else because I got to, you know, hear their stories. And you, it also makes you appreciative of the time you did have with them because there's, you think your story's bad, then you hear, you know, one every day that's 10 times worse and it's just, uh, you know, to have that moment in my show every night to where I know, I don't know who they're thinking about, but I wonder, I look at them, I wonder who those tears are for because I know, you know, who I'm thinking of and it's just, um, it's, it's a special moment in the show. How long did it take you to be able to get through it? <sighs> you know, uh, luckily, there ha I've been able to get through it somehow. I mean, I think just the, I don't know if it's, I, I try to block it out or what, but I just know people are like, how do you get through that some nights? And I think when we're playing on special dates or his birthday or something like that, it, it gets a little tougher, but I, it really is because of the people in the crowd. You know, I, I, you know, I need music as well, but I, you can just tell, you know, I got to get through this for them and that's, they're out there for me, you know, and that's, for, that's just a, a cool thing about country music in general and the fans and just knowing that the kids out there too, I was that kid. And to, to know that, uh, you know, something that I've been through and can share has, has helped other people. That's the best feeling for a guy like me in, in the world. I do a ton of self-analysis wondering if I'm making him proud. Oh, that's, yeah. Where are you with that? Yeah, you know, I think, um, I mean, that's always on my mind. You know, I hope, and you have people t telling you, you know, your family and your friends, they're like, you know, he would be, that's the, one of the biggest compliments I think we get is yep, no your dad would be so proud and that is, I did, he did get to see me get my record deal and knew that, you know, that I had, had you know, followed a dream and, and it happened and he, uh, so I can at least say that, that he knew I was happy, he was happy and, uh, you know, I know he's, I always say that he's got the best seat in the house, he's, you know, I think we just look for things around us, they're, they're, they're all the time, I think little things, it's like, I bet that was, I bet that was him, you know. We can move on in a minute, but yeah. why, you're, why are you emotional? You're emotional right now. Just, I can see it in your eyes right now. Just, um. I don't know, knowing that, you know, I get to live out a dream that, you know, he's the first person I ever heard play a guitar. He was, he never chased music as hard as I did, but he never pushed me to do it. It's something that later in life, in college, I just found my calling and never found anything that I love like music. And for me, uh, I don't know, I know he's proud and I know that, 
that I get to do that and help other people, and he'd be uh, he'd be more proud about that than he would be the music. I think. Well, I'll be I'll add to that chorus. Yep. He would be so proud of what you're doing, how you're doing it, the man you are. It says so much the people that you surround yourself with, and and I know a lot of your buddies. Yeah. And so you should be really really proud of that. Well, likewise, brother. Like I said, just the way we love both you know sports, music. I mean, he was a huge sports fan, and just that. I guess just sitting here, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. So thanks for having me. So you were noting a moment ago the power of music and the mm -hmm. inspiration. Uh, you didn't have it for a long time with this pandemic. Yep. How, how did you do mentally and emotionally with, without that every night? <clears throat> you know, I think uh, just looking back over it, uh, it's, you kind of just rolled with it, but it was kind of a roller coaster, I think. At first, it was just I didn't really know what to think. I thought it'd be a month or so and we'd be back to work. Um, and then it just kept going and kept going. And I think, you know, then it kind of got to where I was mad about like, what is, are we ever going to get back to work? And it's just, I think it was just ups and downs and, you know, having, I didn't realize, I knew how much I missed being out there and doing what I love because I've, I've gotten to do that the past eight or nine years, you know, and, and never had a break this long, but I don't think, uh, you know, I knew what it would do, you know, mentally and just not having those fans and being in front of that crowd and getting that adrenaline rush and just stuff that now that we've been able to have a few shows, you know, we're not back in full swing, but we've had a few in front of crowds and it's just, there's hope. It's like, man, we're going to get back to this. this is, it's going to happen. And I, uh, to me, I, I just think, you know, having some time to reflect on everything that you tr we try not to take things for granted in life. We all do, but it's just human nature, I think. And it, it sucks sometimes that we have to get something taken away or something bad to happen to wake everybody up and realize, but I think you know, we all feel like that. If, if, if what we got is to appreciate things a little more out of this past year and a half, I think we'll all be, you know, better off in some way, but also know how, how tough it was no matter what profession you're in. I mean, it's been a, it's been a crazy time, and I think I'd, I'd be lying if it said it didn't mess with me a little bit, but now getting back to work, being around the band, and it's not just, you know, the show on stage, it's the, the hang and everything, you know. So. so you said it so well right there, the perspective that comes with not having something that you had so often right what perspective did it give you that you actually have the opportunity to do this for a living that you didn't have before you know just that like you just said I mean anything no matter what it is it may not be how you're thinking it but anything can be taken away from you and I think you you know that but it's kind of you put it in the, the back of your mind but when it's shown to you for a year and a half I mean it's to me it, and we were talking as a band just how you know of course we don't want to take things for granted but the fact that we ever got used to being able to you know be in front of folks like that I mean that's a good feeling to you know and I, I don't know that we'll ever get used to that again that that's a better way to put it because we certainly don't uh you know take it lightly that we get to do what we love for a living that's something I, you know I, the best thing I can say about what we get to do but it's to, to see those fans back out there, I mean, I didn't realize how much I needed needed that just to be me because that's part of me, you know, that's part of, of my life and, and the fact that it got taken away a little bit and I got a chance to, you know, reconnect with some family and friends and I feel like this is day one. I knew that first show was going to feel like the first one ever and it did. It was anxiety, it was everything what? wrapped into one, man. Yeah, that's a lot of lyrics to, to remember. <laughs> so. Do you have a prompter? 
No, I do not. But uh, that's that's something to look into. I think I was uh, laughing with a buddy a couple weekends ago that we were talking about those and like, why wouldn't we have those? I mean, For gee, sure. that's why a not? lot of stuff, you know. But it, right now we're just relying on the crowd. We just stick the mic out of pocket, get a line. Hopefully they got the it. The fact that you are sitting there saying that it's a lot of lyrics tells you about the amount of songs that you've cut and released that yeah. were so successful. When you look at that body of work. I know when you're living it, it's hard to analyze it, right? Because you're yep. in the middle of it. You're in that grind. But you did have a little time to stop. When you look at that body of work, how do you feel about all of this success so far? I mean, you're right. And that, the way you said that is so perfect. We get caught up in the what's next, what's next, and, and in the, the grind. And, you, and it's I'm just, but that's part of why we are where we are. But then again, to have this much time to just think about it and, instead of being so competitive about this and that it's like man if, if we just looked at what we had like what we're thankful for and I've, I've been trying to to do that a little more and I've had time to do that but it's you know I'm very proud of the work that it took to get here and I've, I'm glad that I had a minute to just be appreciative and and realize that um gosh I had it good you know I still do and it's it's just uh like I said earlier it's just I hate that sometimes it takes something this eye-opening to you know, bring us back down to reality, but I'm always down for that, a reality check. And this is, uh, I think that's what we all, we all have had. And I think we're going to appreciate each other, uh, our jobs, no matter what that is, and just life in general, even more. And that, that can't be a bad thing, I don't think. So. What, what was growing up like for you? Uh, you know, just sports, man. That's you all. played everything? Everything. That's, that's all I ever, all I ever did. I, I was born in Savannah, Georgia, um, moved over with my mom when my parents split around fifth grade. And so that's the other side of the state, Southwest Georgia, where I kind of call home. And that's where I went to high school, played every sport they'd let me play. And, uh, you know, always loved music. Always, always loved music since being a, a little kid, my first concert. But it, I uh, didn't really get into that side of it, singing and stuff, until right, right when I got to college, senior year of high school kind of. So pretty crazy, man. Well, why? What was it that made you go ahead and say, all right, I'm going to do this? Yeah, you know, at the time, I remember getting to college at Georgia Southern and, and being, you know, undecided in my major. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had two brothers that were already, they both graduated from there, had good jobs, and it was just the pressure was on, you know. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do, so I started, you know, me and a buddy of mine started playing in the bars there, and I just, music had always been there. You know, I, I always knew how much it meant to me. I just never realize what it would be like to be on the stage and I just kind of fell in love what was it like it was uh, I'll never forget the yes I mean I'll, I'll never forget as uh, a crazy story that ties in with this but my first show is at a place called Locos um in Statesboro Georgia and me and my buddy Bert first song we ever played was Kenny Chesney um Don't Happen Twice and I was Great so song. nervous I could barely I mean I could barely breathe dude much less sing how many people and just, were there? I mean, maybe 12. That's being generous. I it was, and that's awesome. what, I mean, and I got to tell that story to Kenny years later down the road. What did he and say? just the story. Did he love he, it? He, oh, yeah. He, he, his answer was, we were out on tours the year I toured with Al Dean, so we got to do the stadium tour with Kenny that year. And I had, I was like, I got to tell him this story. And I told him, and his response was, oh, really? He's like, well, we got to get you up and do it one night. And I'll never forget Seattle. Uh, where where they play where the Seahawks play that night uh, one night it wasn't that night he got me up and I got to sing the song first song I ever sang first gig in front of 78 I mean yeah. however many thousands of yeah. people in a football stadium and all I could think about no joke was God I hope I get to 
somewhere like Kenny so I can help somebody else like that. I mean, this, that's what's going through my head at just those moments. And I think, uh, yeah, man, that was, you know, that was the reason I wanted to, to be on stage and I fell in love with that. And then later came the writing. So that's, uh, but I've, I fell in love with being on stage first, but I realized all these songs I'm singing, they're cover songs, they're not mine. And uh, I wanted to be, you know, it was people like Eric Church, Dirks, Luke, their first albums that those are the people, you know, that made me want to write songs. And I think that's when you're talking about influences. Yeah, I grew up on 90s country music, still love that. But there's there's another class of people that came along after them that made me realize, well, they wrote that, you know, when you get into the whole songwriter side. So I just, you know, the music was always there. I just, I, I think I started later than most people. And I just, that's just part of my story now. And it's, um, you know, just thankful it's uh, it's worked out so far. Some people know the Luke Bryan story. Yeah. A lot of people don't. What, yeah. what role has he played in your path? Uh, a big one. I mean, that was, you know, I'd, I'd started playing the bars in college in Statesboro. He had already moved to Nashville, had a publishing deal. He may have gotten good directions recorded by Billy Currington at this point. He didn't, he didn't have a record deal yet. And uh, I just met him on the front porch of our fraternity house. He came in for a show with his band that he always played with and changed his strings. He sat down and played a, a song um, that he had written, and it just blew my mind that he's a song called "Small Town Favorite Son." It's uh, he's got a new documentary out. I think uh, it's it's in there, but it's unreleased. But that was the song that made me. It was just about a small town football player that ended up having to stay at home and settle down with a girl. It's just an amazing story, and I remember being like, something this guy wrote made me feel like that, and it was just on from then on. I was obsessed with knowing who wrote what, what. And by the time I moved to Nashville, I was more starstruck by the songwriters than, than the artists because I knew that, you know, I'd learned about that and we wouldn't have the songs without them. But yeah, Luke, we kept in touch. He, you know, I have guys now down in Georgia I send my songs to just to kind of get a gauge of what they think about them. And that was what I was. He'd send me his songs and I'd play them for everybody at That's parties, cool. whatever. And it just, I was just a big fan. And then to, you know, move to Nashville, he needed a merch guy. I was applying to bars, trying to get a job here and he, Took me out one weekend to sell T-shirts, and I stayed out there for about three years, and that was my first job I, I had in Nashville was selling Luke Bryan's T-shirts, and that's, like I said, he gave me a, a chance, and he knew that's not why I moved to Nashville, and I think that's why some people find my story so crazy that oh the merch guy turned you know getting a record deal and all it's just kind of you you do what you got to do, and I, I just knew I wanted to be around the business. I didn't know if I'd ever be able to write a song good enough. I didn't know if I'd ever get a record deal, but I knew that I had to be around the music because there was nothing that I and still haven't found anything that made me feel like that so Luke has played a huge part and to go from I always say to go from selling somebody's t-shirts to writing a number one song for him is, is a is a crazy thing and he I owe him a lot of a lot of um, credit so so I think that number one song okay I, was your first number one give me some of that that was yes that was the first one. that was the first one as a writer yeah okay so that's what I thought so so you're selling t-shirts and next thing you know TR cuts this song right yeah. what the hell was that like first of all what was it like that he put it on his record yeah and said okay something you did i like that much fellow georgia boy well, yeah i know he's a tennessee boy but he's, a, yeah, he's but a georgia boy absolutely and we absolutely i mean he you know he is he had been out for a while he was just taking off and to have he was already one of my you know favorite people and a uh, big fan of his music but to have that and just the story behind that song and it being my first number one as a writer, you know, I was always a huge Red Akins fan and his dad, you know, and so that's the first song me and Red ever wrote together. No way. So I, I write, <laughs> I'm nervous as all get out. I write this song with Red Akins and Michael Carter 
somehow um, you know he plays it for Thomas. Thomas hears it, loves it, ends up puts it on the record. And I, that's enough, you know. I'm like, wow, this is going to be. Ama- I mean, this is life changing for a for a writer with not much going on. And uh, then find out it's going to be a single, ends up being the number one. And the fact that it's my first as a songwriter. I mean, you know, I wrote it with his dad. Me and Thomas, our buddies, were touring together coming up this year. So. That uh, stories like that only happen, I feel like, in Nashville, and I'm just I'm glad to be a part of that one. But you know, it doesn't doesn't hurt that Tr is not only talented, just one of the best dudes out there. So, what's the writing? Uh, so, how when you get to town and you want to write and you get a publishing deal, how do you end up getting in a room with Rhett? How how does that whole thing unfold? Gosh, I mean, the peach pickers, all of them. You know, Ben, Dallas, yeah. Rhett. Yeah. They, you know, them being from Georgia, and I think. A lot. There's so many talented people, obviously in Georgia, and so many people that have been before me, after me, and it's people always ask, "What do you think? You know, what, why, what do you think that is?" And I think it's scenarios like that right there. Those three guys from from my state move up here, do something like that. I think you, it makes you a little bit more believable, even though I don't know if that's good or bad. But it's like, man, they're from right around where I'm from. They, if you know, if they can do it, maybe I can. You know, and I think that is. I've had a lot of that all the way back from Alan Jackson to everybody from the 90s to you know the newer artists that have moved after me. It's, it's crazy. But to get in the room with Red, I mean, you, I, I don't know. It took a while. They didn't just write with me right off the bat. You know, it took, I was, I'd already gotten off the road from selling t-shirts. I was in town probably four or five years before I ever really? got to write with him. It was him. that I, long? Yeah. I mean, and I, looking back now, I'm glad because I didn't deserve to be in the room with him yet. I, I think, you know, I, yeah, I knew him and I was friends with him, but you know, this is a business and you, you know, you got to have a foot in the door. But to me, I needed to be better when I got that opportunity. You only get, you didn't want, you know, your first opportunity and me not be to where I could at least pull my weight in a, in a room like that. And I, I think the timing, it always works out better than we, than, better than we think. And I just, I'm glad that it, it took a little while because I felt like I'd gained experience and I, I felt like I'd, you know, belonged to at least be in the room. But there, you can't ever, I mean, that, Rhett and all those guys, they've written so many songs. i got a long way to go, man. What's your process? Just always thinking. I mean, listening. I mean, you know, you're hearing people. I love when I go back home. I mean, just the conversations and how real everybody is. I mean, you may hear something be like, man, that could, there's a song in there somewhere. And you just, you learn to write things down right then. You know, you don't say, oh, I'll remember that later because chances are I won't. You know, Are you so one I of think, these dudes that... You're constantly pulling out your notes on your phone. I just, yeah, I mean, I try not to be rude about it, but it's just every now and then if you're in Anybody the zone, who has buddies who's a songwriter, that's oh, just part of the relationship. And you probably got to be, I know, you probably say I mean, things all the time. You're like, they, hey, don't put my name on they that. They all, you, that's what I, I'm the, I always do. I'm like, I better see my name yeah, on that. Exactly, because you know when you say something <laughs> yes. that you're like, I bet you they're right. They, 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 they get this glazed over like thing. But see, I have to, yeah, I usually, especially if it's somebody in the creative where I, you got to just tell them you know that's uh but that is a way i mean i think for me ideas start first sometimes you have a title uh, sometimes you don't have anything and you just go in and you get the idea from just talking to your buddy you're about to write with it's just you never know if you listen like what's a way you can spin that a little different or a way you could make that into something that you know somebody would want to hear and that's to me whether it's fun because i like it all you know i like the fun stuff i love the sad stuff the heartbreak stuff i mean that's really why i love country music but also i think of my live show when I'm in there too. I mean, I want the songs that are going to get people that have had a hard week and and want to, uh, you know, uh, party a little bit. So it's it's kind of a, a mixture of both for me when I'm writing. Being the tip of the spear. I mean, you're a CEO of a big time business, right? Yeah, it's crazy. Now you were the merch guy. Yeah. So you know that, like you you've kind of seen you you were in there when those guys were loading in. You yep. were in there when those guys were loading out. Yep. 
all that stuff all the way to now. How do you carry that experience with you now? That's a great point. I mean, I think I have seen it from, you know, from behind the, the merch table, just how everything goes. And I, I credit, you know, my three or so years out on the road of why when my career took off, that it felt like I had almost been there and, and seen. I, I had never done it, but I'd been around, if you ask me, one of the best and watched the way they treated people and the, the people that worked for them and the radio, TV. I mean, whatever it was they were doing, you know, Luke was always, you know, I think he was a good one to, to kind of come up around. But I, I um, you know, when I released my first song and things kind of took off, I just, I really don't know if I would have known what hit me unless I'd been out there around it a little bit. And that was another thing. Yeah, I didn't move here to sell t-shirts, but those three years out there, could have been the reason I didn't lose my mind when everything yeah. started off, you know, right right when it did. So that to me, I mean, I, I, it's all of it. When you see it from every angle, you realize how important every aspect of the tour is. You can't do it without every single person. You know, there might be a name up there on the sign or on the ticket, but without your crew and everybody, it's you learn that it, it takes, them, takes them all. So. How did you transition from writer to artist or, or, or from songwriter to yeah. singer-songwriter? Yeah, you know, I I we talked earlier, but I already knew I loved to be on stage and to entertain and do that. But I knew I needed to be a better songwriter, and this is where I wanted to go. And you know, so I, I got a publishing deal at Sony ATV. Was writing songs for a living, and got uh, get me some of that recorded by Thomas Rhett. Roller, Roller coaster, coaster. Yeah. yeah, that was the one we were talking about earlier by Luke. Uh, this is how we rolled at Luke and Florida Georgia Line did, and just several more. You know, and I think that got my name out there and and you know you we have what we call demos which i know you know what those are where it's just kind of a demonstration of what the song should be like if somebody records it and i was singing all these you know and so when the record label was hearing them they were finally like you know why aren't you if you're writing all these why aren't you singing them and i was like that's a great great question you know that's uh <laughs> that would that would work for me and then you know at that point you know i started getting some some interest from labels and I realized that it is all about the song in this business. The song can make you, break you, save your career. I mean, it can do a lot of things. And I think it took me realizing that I've, I've got to keep these songs that I think are big songs because I, I need them. I mean, this if I'm going to be serious and do what I came here for, try to get a record deal, I need these songs. And it took, obviously, writing, chilling it, putting that out. I just knew that that's what I wanted first. But then it took... You know, songs like my second single, Hope You Get Lonely Tonight. I mean, I wrote that with FGL and uh, Al Dean heard it and wanted that song at the time. And I mean, I didn't even have a record deal. And think about if you're Tyler and Brian, they're probably like, "Uh, we probably need to get this to Florida Georgia Line. And for Al Dean to be cool about it and finally say, all right, you know, I get it. He wrote it. He, you know, and of course, he he didn't need that song as much as me, but that's a huge compliment. I mean, Al Dean has always been one of my favorites. And to stuff like Another that, Georgia it just takes boy. every little thing and to stick up for your songs and 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 when you need them, you know. So what are those conversations like? What like is he is Jason calling you going, dude? I want this thing. I, you know that one. That was before we toured together and we kind of got close like we we are now. But you know, my manager Carrie Edwards, she kind of took the reins on that one, and you know, I still give her credit this day for for fighting for it because and for everybody involved, it would have been a great thing for Jason Aldean, but it. I mean, I might not have had back-to-back singles that did as well if I wouldn't have had that song. And it's just a, it's a tough part because there are other writers involved and you have to, you know, I think that it helped that Brian and Tyler were doing just fine and they it were. wasn't like, but yeah. it's every situation's different, man. And I'm, that's another thing, talking about coming up through the business, I'm glad that I came up through the songwriting world because, 
you know, whether I'm recording a song somebody else wrote, like I have respect for the writers and I want, you know, them to be make, you know, they should give get a lot more credit than they already do. And, but me coming up through the writing world, there's a lot of things that go on recording and the process. And it's just, I think that's helped me in that, that world too. So. It's just so fascinating to me. And grains of sand. I mean, we walk, we, we, we go right over here where I'm directionally challenged, but we go over here to Broadway. There's all, I mean, there's a, 5,000 people who want to do that. Yeah. And are pretty talented, a lot of them. And that's why I think stuff like that, it just... Why did you make it? I don't, I mean, I mean, that's something that keeps you motivated. There's, you, you go out downtown, you just look, I mean, everybody, it's like, good, goodness gracious. You have to know that, every you know, waiter, how fortunate. Yeah, every, every, everybody, yeah. that's what they're here for. Absolutely, and that's what, you know, and I think that is what keeps you driven and, and humble, is, is knowing that, there's somebody out there on Broadway playing a night better than me right now, and they just hadn't had their break yet. And that is, we all got to have somebody to, to help us out. And I think that's one thing in our genre, at least, country music, is I think you just help the next in line. And that's, you know, people have done that for me. And that's honestly, I told that story about getting up with Chesney. I literally thought that because I know what that does for somebody and what, how much it helps them. And that's, you know, that's something I think this, this format's good about is, is giving back. And like, you know, man, anything we can, we're, you know, just as much about off the stage as on it, and you know, just being around good people, man. That's what that's what I love. So. What comes with fame you didn't expect? Man, comes with fame. Cause it it's a lot more than you think it's going. Oh to be. yeah, I mean, I think just I don't know. You never know. You don't want to be negative, but you really don't know folks' true intentions a lot. It's just uh, you know having to to see through that kind of stuff. You know, it's but that and it's uh keeps you keeps you on the right track with with cell phones and all that stuff so it's just no doubt a, it's just a, and i'm not trying to put you in a difficult spot oh, by no, any no, stretch no. Of my it, it really but is. i know like i've been around enough athletes who went from relative obscurity to monster fame enough mm -hmm. artists who've been mm -hmm. in relative obscurity to monster fame to know that it starts to mess with you a little bit yeah. because you don't know what somebody's intentions are you don't know if they're in it because, man, I really like Cole as a, as a person, as a human being. Yep. I appreciate his talent, yep. but, I, you know, it's, it's hard to know if they're in it for anything other than, man, I want to be in that guy's circle so that I can go get to do the same stuff he's yep. doing. Or he'll buy it for me. Right, yeah, and that's, you know, that's, uh, that's you know, just part of it. But I think also saying you know there's a lot of people looking up to you out there and it's it, it does i think i need stuff like that to keep you you know like hey man uh, this there's a, and it goes back to how fortunate we are to be doing this there's a lot of people that give anything to be in my no shoes so i think it you know if that keeps you it helps keep you um, on the right path that's that's fine with me and plus it's you know you can't have a bad day it's like you got to always be on and that's what i see in this side of it when i see stories now about whether it's athletes or stars that oh, he wasn't nice or this and that. And it's like you just learn to – you don't know, ever know what somebody's going through. You don't know what kind of day they're having. And I think, uh, it, you know, being on this side of it, it's, you just, you know, definitely show people that same respect. So Absolute truth. Uh, you got a lot of we, – we got a lot of mutual buddies. You got a lot of friends in sports. Mm -hmm. I know you're close with Ryan Blaney and mm -hmm. Chase Elliott and those guys mm -hmm. in NASCAR, buddies with a bunch of the Braves guys, yep. right? Uh, what so so little little athlete Cole back there in nowhere Georgia? If you'd have told that little guy, forget the career part, but just that he could be buddies with folks like that because of what he does, 
that's awesome. Yeah. Like, how I, would you? How? What? What is your thoughts on that? I, I don't know. I mean, that's what's crazy about it. I mean, just being growing up, you know, being a huge Braves fan and loving NASCAR, just every sport, you know. And to think now, or if you'd have told me that, yeah, that I would have even known any of those people when when I got when I when I grew up, you know, that's. Uh, that's the kid in me, though, and that's what I don't ever want to lose. I'm not no, scared to be starstruck or just when I go, get to do some of these things I get to do, I get excited because I don't want to ever get used to, to those kind of things because it's not everybody. I know how hard I work to get to where I am, but also, you know, when you when you see people in the sports world or just the entertainment industry that, that love what you do and it's just kind of the it's mutual, you know. It's like, man, I would have given anything to, to have been at Atlanta Brave at some point in my life, but I've glad that I get to do this and, and still get to go to the games. You know, it's, um, it, it's pretty cool. I distinctly remember, and I did not remember this until right this second <laughs> when you said that about be, it being okay to be starstruck. And it always, anytime that comes up, it makes me think of two people that I've met or interviewed, Tell me. Michael Jordan, oh. Tiger Woods. And when I interviewed Tiger several years ago, I'll never forget you called me and you were like, holy shit, man. Tiger Woods, but, and you wanted to know everything. Like, I, mean, I want to know it all. Give yes. me every detail. Yes. That one was different. That, I mean, but that kind of stuff, I mean, that's, I, I get, I mean, just hearing you say that, I mean, makes me uneasy. Like, Michael Jordan <laughs> and Tiger Woods, those are two people yeah. that, you know, if I ever got Watch a chance to meet, I don't even know what it would, yeah, don't even know what it would say. But that, you know, to get to where you are, to where you're interviewing those kind of people, it says a lot. And that's, to me, you got to enjoy those moments. I mean, those are, I mean, bucket list things and, Seems like we get to, to do more than we deserve sometimes. And that for me, it's just, man, I want to enjoy them and know that I'd have given anything if you'd have told little little me that I was going to get to do that. So. Well, before we came in here, yeah, you were just talking about having the opportunity to play with Toby Keith and who was he? Who else? Clay Walker. Yeah. And Clay That's Walker. What? Look at the smile. I, what was it like to get to hang with childhood heroes? I mean, there's there's nothing like it. I mean, there's just another those, two, those oh, two. I know, I know. We. Uh, I've got to meet, um, I got to hang with Tubby a little bit uh, before the show, but Clay was kind of in and out, but I've met him before too and got to tell him how much his music has meant to me. Um, and, you know, when you're up there and you're hearing all these hits that, I mean, you remember, it just takes you back. And, I mean, you you know a song can put you anywhere you want to be, but some of those songs I hadn't heard in so long. I mean, it's, I'm right back in my mom's Jeep Cherokee, like listening to the radio DJ in, intro the song, and it's, you know that that kind of stuff is it will never get old to me knowing that now you know some kids out there listening to to us on the radio and it's just I, I don't know I, I anytime I get to play a show with people I, that got me into this business it's um, I, don't, I don't ever take it for granted. So who made you starstruck? What art? What what artist <coughs> that you met? You went my God! I can't believe I'm talking to this person. The uh, I mean obviously there's been several uh the the main one i remember was the first time i met tim mcgraw um it's it's almost funny put me there man what was what was the situation we were it was i mean probably 2014 acms i'm guessing and and back then if they still do it they always had like a, a tv special that they recorded on a monday night after the sunday acms so we i stayed in town i wasn't a part of it i was brand new i, I had chilling it out that, that was it and we're standing backstage and Tim and Faith are in the hallway and my manager's in one of the dressing rooms and it's every artist, you know, everybody's kind of, but Tim and Faith are out in the hall and I'm like, Carrie, I've never met McGraw. I covered his songs in college. I'm a huge, I mean, I have to tell him. I was like, tonight's the night, I'm telling him. <laughs> so I go, uh, I'm like, I'm gonna do it right now, actually. So me and my friend Michael Monaco, we're walking down the hall 
and we're I mean we're he's right here with Faith getting closer and I'm like chicken I'm like no way I'm doing it I was like I'm not interrupting him and we get about three feet from him and he kind of turns and sticks out his hand and says hey Cole Tim knew my name said I'm Tim he's like I sing your song chilling at picking up my daughters in the uh, school line every day and I Marty I'm not kidding you I, my eyes like watered I, I just patted him I couldn't even speak I patted him on the shoulder and ca- <laughs> I, it took me about I walked off about 20 yards and had to come back and apologize but it was just one of those moments that caught me off guard and just I mean just remember you know I mean, don't take the girl coming on the video and me For calling sure, her. Man. Hey, man, it's on. It's on. And like hanging up because the music video was on TV. Just stuff like that. And, you know, seeing him at a young age in concert to, to meeting him and him introducing himself when I chickened out and he didn't even know it, you know, before I got there. That was probably one of the most starstruck moments. And, uh, yeah, he, he's always been cool to me. And just what a, that's what I love about meeting your heroes, the ones that are, you know, that, that exceed your expectations. And Tim is as cool as it gets. All right, I'm going to just real quick. I've kept you too long. No, you're fine, brother. I, I got to tell you the Michael Jordan story. Please. God, so he's yes. God to me, okay? Yeah. He, yes. He's, he's the, the guy. <laughs> yeah. So ESPN back in 2013 sent reporting teams to every single game on opening night of the NBA season because we were bidding for the 2014, the current yeah. NBA contract. Yeah. And they sent me to the Hornets Bucks at the Hive in Charlotte. First game back is the Hornets. We aren't the Bobcats anymore. That era is flushed forever, thank God. (laughs) And the city's buzzing. I mean, like, it's just an awesome night. We win it 104 to 103. Kimba Walker hits a 40-footer to win it. City's lit. So after the game, I interview one of the Bucks players who, his name was Jabari Parker. Do you remember Jabari? Mm -hmm. Went to Duke, never lost any games in his whole life. And it's like his dog died. I'm like, Jabari, listen, bud, you play for the Bucks, who are in the NBA Finals now, yeah, exactly. ironically. I'm like, man, you play for the Bucks, dude. You're going to lose a lot. Like, just don't yeah. let this ruin your life. Yeah. Get done with him, go out in the hallway. We're waiting on the Hornets locker room to open. I'm in my phone. I'm texting Laney. Hey, where do you want me to get us dinner on the way home? I'll be out of here in 20 minutes. I got to interview a couple of Hornets players. I'll be gone. Air completely changes in the tone. I mean, like, as I'm in my phone, I'm like, what the hell's going yeah. on? You can just feel this presence. Next thing you know, there's this hand coming at me. And I'm looking up the hand all the way to the face, and it's Michael freaking Jordan. <laughs> and Michael Jordan says to me, hey, Marty, it's awesome you're here tonight. We appreciate so much you taking the time to come out and cover this team. Thank you. means a lot to me and a lot to the organization. I was so starstruck, dude. All I could do is go, <laughs> thanks, MJ. Yeah. yeah. Like a that, complete dipshit buffoon. But that's, I mean, it's all right to be a dipshit in that moment. I mean, I, I honestly wouldn't be, I don't know what I'd say. I'd walk out <laughs> just like, I'd, like I'd do that if I could. Like a clown show. Dude, that is, but that's awesome. And by the way, you've uh, sent me and my guitar player, Joel, he rocks Jordans on the stage every night. So you've sent us a few pairs, so thank you. for. Well, you've stuff. done so many amazing things to me, and I could, I'll tell that story real quick we I had a buddy who was who was paralyzed 20 years ago he needed a wheelchair that would allow him to go on the beach and in order to I, I just walked in the other room and said to Laney we're buying this thing it's like buying a car just trust me I feel led to do it it's the right thing it's on my heart so y'all I call people listening um, I Laney says to me we should do some kind of experience where we can help offset this cost and I saw that Cole and Luke were coming to Charlotte like three weeks, a couple weeks later. 
I pick up the phone and call you. I said, I need some help. I don't want your money. I need a little bit of your time, which yep, I know is even more precious than your no, money, no, but I need it. That's what you said though, yeah. Neither, you guys didn't even, but both of you were like, whatever you need. How many tickets? How much time? Do they need this? Drinks? What do they need? And we raised so much money. More than half of that wheelchair got bought because of you guys being kind enough to give us your time. In, in, with not a moment's notice. Yeah, and I'll never forget it. And it changed his life. He can now, he lives in Myrtle Beach. He yeah. doesn't have to ride up on this pier and watch his kids yeah. play. He can be on the beach and play with his kids. That is life changing. Yeah, and the the you know the, to get to see him using it, uh, the video. I mean, that just absolutely, man. I still see things about it on social media, and just people. It's like new people find it every day, and that's the most inspiring thing. And that's why when you asked me to be here, man, I, it's an honor. I, obviously, I've been a fan for a long time. You you get to do a lot of the things I wish. You know what I mean? You're around <laughs> a lot of the things I wish I was at. So you uh, you come out to concerts. We've spent st louis with eric church a couple nights that was, that was a good fun. time just, man we, we gotta that was a good get time. back to it so uh, it's always good to to see you there man i'm i'm willing to help and you i know i've seen all the good you do so i'm i'm in anytime just call me so thank you i know one more thing we yep. got single saturday night out now i know you're about to go on tour with tia give us give us a look ahead here look into crystal ball and take us there with you what's coming up yeah, the you know finally uh, this Thomas Rhett tour, the Center Point Road tour, is finally kicking off um, August twentieth, and until then we're kind of doing some festivals uh, in between. Now and then we got rehearsals coming up just to get back, get the show right. We hadn't had a chance to change a whole lot because we hadn't been around each other, so that's going to be fun. Uh, in the middle of uh, finishing up the brand new album, I don't have a date or any exact time when that's coming out, but we'll have something brand new after single Saturday night uh, peaks and I'm just ready for everybody to hear the new music man and most of all to see everybody in the crowd so if that TR tour is coming anywhere near y'all come out it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun so hopefully when we're in North Carolina we've got several shows if you're around you'll have to bring uh, Laney y'all come on out anytime college football season on oh, the weekends yeah. is a little busy for me uh, you're right that's <laughs> you're definitely not coming to that one. <laughs> Hey, I love you. I love you, I buddy. appreciate you. Thank, thank you. you so much for doing this. Yeah. On behalf of everybody at Outsider, yeah. thank you for taking the time to love be our place. very first guest Thanks for, uh, in Outsider Studios. Thank you, brother. Now let's go get a cold beer. Let's do it. <laughs> I told you all it was great. Uh, as I said to Cole there during our conversation, the power of vulnerability resonates globally. And Cole's vulnerability, not only in his writing and in his work, but in his personal life with sharing so much of himself has impacted so many millions of people, certainly including me. I love to get to spend time with him. I love to learn his path and, and just get to fellowship with him. What a wonderful time. We appreciate you guys checking out the Marty Smith podcast here at Outsider Media. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Tell all your buddies about it. We're building something special here. Have a great one, everybody.